Welcome to Material, a show about the Google and Android universe. Hosted on the Relay Fab Network, this episode of Material is brought to you by Ministry of Supply. I'm one of your hosts, Yasmin Evian, and joining me as always, my hosts who are full of wonder, Andy Anako and Russell Ivanovich. Hello. Hello. I am full of wonder. It's true. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. I got asked, does that make me wonderful? Are we going to do the reverse joke that this That makes week? you wonderful. Okay. That makes you wonderful. That's why you're full of wonder. <laughs> it took me, it's, I think it took me two episodes to really catch what Andy was doing there. I was like, full of wonder. I was like, oh, I'm so glad Andy's full of wonder. And I was like, yeah, I was calling him wonderful. Okay. That, that's my um, favorite joke when people come over to my house. They're like, oh, thanks for having us. Thanks. I'm like, yes, thanks for being had. Sorry, I don't want to begin the show like that. Uh, Good thing we're not comedians. Good thing we're not comedians. (laughs) Well, the the Fringe has actually started in Adelaide. This is an annual festival that we have where all the comedians from all over Australia fly into Adelaide and give lots of shows. So I'm just just practicing for mine, that's all. (laughs) Andy, I want to see this famous hat that you bought with your listener-supported money. Yes, this was as uh, a big payoff from two weeks ago that I talked about this. That uh, sometimes I use uh, because, because, like, uh, we get paid, like, deposited through PayPal, and that's also what I use to buy things on eBay. Sometimes I will use some of this money to buy things that I like, but maybe not worth, you know, eight to eighty dollars worth of my actual, like, you know, uh, uh, <laughs> Car car payment money or phone payment money. So uh, I did. I was admiring this hat, which was manufactured in Poland and was sent to me from Poland. Uh, it's uh, the label and the inside of it is is pretty fantastic. Uh, so this is the big reveal for. Uh, like I said, you guys can you guys listen can only listen, but we do look at each other as we go. So this this is going to be this is going to be pretty. Ooh, great. And we knew something was up when Andy first came on the video. He wasn't wearing his normal headphones. He had little in ear ones. He was like, wearing oh, earbuds. Oh. <gasps> Yes, I it's like a beret, it. <laughs> but it's not. But it's not, it. not a special forces beret. It's one of those. I'm 63, 64 years old. I'm retiring early, and damn it, if I want to just sit in a coffee shop wearing a beret all day, I can I do that. I say it actually looks like good. It. I like I'm it. I'm not normally a fan like of berets. It, it is but. like I, I kind of, you know, I, I kind of like these kinds of hats. But every time I'd seen one in the shop. It was like like that scene in uh, National Lampoon's European Vacation. Where like, Come on, Rusty, put on your beret. We're in Paris. Do you want to look like a don't you don't you don't look like a tourist? Do you? But this is <laughs> also also I need it. I actually need a hat for like there are days when I I just will want to walk around the city and like take pictures with my really nice camera. And my usual favorite hat, of course, is like has a big like it's not a fedora, it's like a rancher hat. But like I can't like press the camera against my face without like bump folding the front of it up so this is like maybe i don't know if i'm going to wear it when i go to like comic cons i take a lot of pictures of comic cons but this is definitely a camera friendly hat uh the other really cool feature about it and the reason why i thought that this was uh, a really good purchase when i got it uh is uh, the label on the inside of it which is such a great like old man but in a good way like hat label it's like Fully aligned and fully embroidered, this beautiful, like, colored beret, Basque, Wartsoya, Storkowski. But then the, the the vintage look is ruined by the fact that it has, like, the Polish URL for the hat company <laughs> at the well, bottom. Well, at least it's, it's a Storkowski, so it's not like, you know, www.cheapstuff.com <laughs> exactly. or I think it looks really so, slick, and I, I really like it. I like it, it. And, it's, and, it's, and it's wool, so, like, it's winter, so... 
And I know a lot of our listeners have um, written in and they're like, do you have a video version? You're constantly like, you know, demoing this stuff on air that we can't see. We'll, we'll put the picture in the show notes. So in your favorite client of choice, you know, swipe right or swipe up and, and tap and, and you'll be able to see Andy's hat. I feel like I need to have a glass of like red wine in my hand by <laughs> podcast for this. We'll have to get Andy to send us a, yeah, like a really cool photo of him somewhere exotic with the hat. So right now, Russell is holding a... a le Pixel C. It's the deuxième French laptop. Actually, it's not a laptop at all. And they probably wouldn't say laptop because they have their own words for everything. Yeah. So right now, Russell's holding the Pixel C. Um, and you just, you were surprised. You didn't know you were getting this. And your co-founder ordered it. And you were, it was a nice surprise for you, right? We have this thing at Shift Each Other. I wouldn't call it money laundering because that's illegal. Obviously, we would never do that. <laughs> but we, we do tend to buy all our tech gear through here just because, you know, obviously like business tax and all that other stuff works differently. Um, to personal tax. Long story, don't need to get into that, but this is my favorite noise in the world. Are you ready for this? Oh, I did the wrong end. <laughs> All right, let's try that again. Live on yeah, TV. Yeah, see, it clicks into there, oh. and then you've got yourself a little doohickey-supported keyboardy thing. So this is the thing, like, Philip ordered this. I didn't realize it was coming at all. It arrived in the box, and I wasn't at all excited about the Pixel C. I mean, I heard it was nice-looking and whatever, but I'm like, uh, Android tablet. Not really interested. I played with this for 10 minutes and I had an irrational desire just to to buy one. I can't explain why. Are you I could I just I, I didn't even ask for a loaner from Google. I, I'm not I'm not making an editorial comment about it. It's just that even at this point in time, I can't get myself excited about any Android tablet because you five hundred bucks and now you're into iPad territory. And an iPad is probably a much better iPad than an Android tablet. And I'm still, outside of Microsoft Office, I'm stumped to find really good productivity apps that take advantage of like a full-sized Android tablet. Uh, and then there's the fact that the it is small-ish, which makes it easier to handle, but as cool as that hinge and that magnetic thing is, now you've got a keyboard that's even smaller than like a small iPad keyboard. So are you liking it as a developer, as a really nicely machined object with that cool colorful rainbow bar of lights or you're actually getting useful stuff done on it in the, in the past 31 hours <laughs> yeah that's an interesting question so i i have almost every tablet ever made somewhere here in the office we we need them for testing that's our excuse anyway so i i do agree that software wise if you want something that's going to be able to run everything and that you're going to be um super happy with and as long as you're comfortable with ios like the ipad is is definitely a better um software platform at the moment especially now that you know, Apple's introduced split-screen support and they've got picture-in-picture -picture, um, video support and a few other things. I will say hardware-wise, though, I'm, I'm impressed because, I mean, the, hard, the iPad is not, a, it's not a slouch when it comes to hardware design. It's a really nice, you know, aluminium uh, sculpted thing. I don't know what this is made of, whether it's aluminium or magnesium, but it, it is just like a really nice build quality. Like, everything feels just right. They've got these, um, these little Google, you know, four-coloured lights at the top that show you different statuses and it just feels really nicely integrated you know you close it and it charges the the keyboard as well so in terms of you know what am i actually going to use it for um this is going to sound really weird but honestly the, the best thing about having the the keyboard and the magnetic latch is it actually stands it up really nicely and it stands it up to arbitrary angles so you can angle it you know just tiny little fractions of a bit down you know there's no there's no clicking points there it's just as the exact angle that you want is what it stays at. So it's actually really good for um, watching Netflix, of all things. So so things like Netflix and other <laughs> video services and, um, you know, typing occasionally. I, I do find the keyboard 
a little bit cramped. It's it's not a full size keyboard. It's a little bit. I've put these two side by side. So I've got my um, my Mac full size keyboard here. You've probably got uh, they're probably shaved off. I don't know what the I've got this. The American term is an inch. They've probably shaved off about an inch or <laughs> I don't know the conversion. Ten ten centimeters is what, is what it looks like. It's just that you know the enter key is tiny. Some of the keys are a little bit sort of jammed together. But the thing that we're excited about, and I guess the real reason that, that Philip bought this is. We have a real inkling that something is coming. I haven't heard anything from Google. This is not me, um, you know, divulging anything. But I think Android N, which I assume is coming at Google I/O, is probably going to have a lot of cool tablet stuff in it. And I would imagine the first tablet that a lot of this will come to, and hopefully there'll be, you know, the the normal software images and things that Google put up at the the beta versions will be the Pixel C. So that's why we got it. We're hoping for you know amazing things. I hope they they do more than just split screen because. Split screen is nice, you know, picture in picture is nice, but I'd like to think that, you know, if Google's really going to do something amazing on tablets, you know, things like drag and drop between apps would be pretty amazing. Just other little things that, what can you do when you have, you know, two windows side by side? That's that's kind of what we're imagining. So at the moment, I'm not going to use this to replace my laptop. I still love my laptop. It's not, I'm not going to do any work on it because Google's development environment um, is actually not on here. So can't really work on it either, but it's it, it is a really nice you know bit of hardware. You see yourself carrying one of those around instead of like a maybe a Nexus Nine, because because it, it's bigger than the Nexus, right? What is it in terms of size? Is it it, it, it feels comparable to? It feels a tiny bit um, bigger than the ten inch iPad, not by a lot. So they're they're roughly the same sort of equivalent size. It's maybe a little bit taller. So compared to a Nexus Nine, it's definitely bigger. Not not significantly bigger. If you take the keyboard off, this top bit is quite light. Like it feels about the same weight as, you know, relatively speaking as a Nexus 9. Would I carry it instead of a Nexus 9? I mean, sure. Like this is, it's, it's, it just feels like a nicer tablet. Um, a few other people have asked about performance issues. I've only had it for 24 hours. I'm not sure yet. I mean, things like obviously Netflix and everything else runs fine. I haven't installed any super taxing, you know, apps or games. So I, I don't really know that yet. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, I think that computers are definitely moving towards, moving in that direction. I've got my my iPad Pro like right here on the desk next to me, and it's I never leave the house without it if I'm going to be doing anything with the computer. So, uh, and also I I love one of the things I've always liked about uh, about Android M is that it really does transmogrify really well uh, when you have it on. I've had it on a, on a larger tablet, and you then hook it up with a, a keyboard and a mouse. And it stops without any going un, going through any change whatsoever. It starts to feel like an operating system that was designed specifically to be operated on with a mouse and a keyboard because there's so many keyboard shortcuts and all the targets are now oh there's a big visible clickable targets and now it feels like uh, so I'm I'm pulling for it. Um, I, I see. I guess I, I I relate to it the same way that I related to uh, the Chromebook Pixel in that of just this. On the face of it, a ridiculous object, this $1,500 or $1,300 uh, thing that basically runs a glorified web browser. But if it if developers get it and they just love it as an object so much that as developers, they then sort of get seduced into, I want to see what my apps look like on this. And then fast forward six months and they've been sort of tricked into porting their apps to support this cool hardware so that when the less expensive, more consumer-y version of it appears – uh, it uh, it does some good yeah, stuff. Yeah, I mean that that part's definitely working. We loaded up um, Pocket Cast on there yesterday, and immediately we noticed, you know, five or six things. We're like, oh, look at that! Oh, look at this! Oh, wouldn't it be nice if you know you're, you're using the because you can use the the arrow keys to to navigate the interface. Um, things like Alt Tab work. 
Um, there's a whole bunch of shortcuts. Oddly linked to the search key. I don't really know why, but I think things like, I'm trying to remember, search key L will launch some app, search key. One of them will launch mail. There's one to launch um, uh, your web browser. There's a whole bunch of shortcuts that you can do on the keyboard. And I've noticed Google have started to implement a lot of those in their apps as well. So they've got these these cheat sheets that say, hey, here's the following 20 you know keyboard shortcuts. So the things you'd expect, like in Chrome, you can press Control-T, you get a new tab. I mean, that's that's obvious for a desktop user. Um, for someone on a tablet, you're like, oh, that's nice. I think it, it's funny. It's still not quite there. Like some of the things you'd want is I have to go online to look up these keyboard shortcuts. It would be nice if there was some way in the Android OS to get an overlay to be like, hey, these are all the keyboard shortcuts that this app supports and there's just a few small things like um the thing i'm most impressed by actually is in, in terms of potential as to where it could go is we we got an ipad pro recently and i set that up and it is really obvious that no one at apple had time to streamline the the initial sign-in process for that device because it is literally giant expanses of white with little blue text and a button in the very left corner a button in the the very right corner and that's very unApple like you know you can tell if they had an engineer on that if they had time they would have streamlined that whole thing i we set up the pixel c yesterday and it was the opposite experience you know google had these nice little cards that sat in one side and they had some text on the other it's obvious that someone had actually spent the time to to lay out these interfaces for a tablet so i'm hoping this is just my wild out there hope that when they modify their os to support tablets that they go to the same level of detail because i mean how amazing it would it be if we could get something better than you know what's currently on the ipad i think I think that would be really cool. Yeah, and Russell, I heard that this isn't the only toy that you got to play with this week. So last week, you were in the process of trying to get everything that you needed to get in order to install Android Auto. And I want to hear first, like first impressions uh, in the car, some things that you didn't know, like you you didn't think about it, like, oh, wow, now that I'm driving, I want to do this differently. And I kind of want to know just like some quick things that you found that you would want to change to Pocket Cast. Yeah. So all the the adapters and um, things that I arrived had ordered, there was was this mess of cables. I put a picture on Twitter. I'm like, oh, I hope this works. And um, I, I went to the car, I hooked it all up. It was reasonably simple because these days, um, you know, people make parts specific to each car. So it just like click, 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 click. Um, I put the stereo in and then I nervously, you know, turned it on and it powered on. I'm like, oh. And at first nothing worked. I'm like, oh, no, Rusty screwed it up. But it, I don't know. I, I rebooted the thing and it, it was fine. And um, <laughs> I've noticed quite a few small things since then. So like I said last episode, I've had Android Auto in the office. It's been static. It's been sitting on a shelf. Um, you know, we turn it on and off with little switches. We have a little switch for the handbrake, you know, handbrake on, handbrake off. It is a really different experience, you know, when you're moving in a car. So just some really small things I've noticed. One is the, like you're getting Hangouts messages as you're driving. And it, you, I don't know why, but you expect to be able to read them. Like it's a stupid thing. You're driving, you shouldn't <laughs> yeah. be able to. So you tap on it and you're like, oh, cool. I'm going to be able to read my message. But of course, um, Android Auto reads it back to you. And then it just says at the end, you know, if you want to reply, hit the microphone, say reply. I'm like, oh, so I tried that and it, it works really well. So I, I will say one, one thing I'm missing in there is the, the keyword you can do with your phone, you know, okay material. Um, I understand, I think, why Google didn't put it in there because if you're driving along and suddenly your stereo is like, boom, that could be, you know, distracting if you're not expecting it, especially if it triggers, you know, accidentally. But it is weird to have to tap a button to to talk to this, you know, always on computer. I I tried a few quick things, you know, who won the Super Bowl, what was the score, how tall is the Eiffel Tower, you know, play material um, in Pocket Cast. All that works really well, you know, navigate here, navigate there. That. What is Wonder Woman's real name? I did that one actually, Yasmin, just for you. You started (laughs) started reading the entire Wikipedia page. It gave me the summary and then it keeps going. (laughs) 
But no, it works really well. And I haven't had any of the issues that Yasmin's had. So this is an aftermarket um, Pioneer unit. I'll, I'll put the details um, in the show notes. I might even write it up in a blog post just so people have the various bits. Obviously, they're specific to my car. But I thought it was an interesting experiment. I don't know if I would have paid you know, my own personal money. These things are still expensive. So it's an $800 unit. It's $100 you know, worth of adapters. Is that worth it to have Android Auto in your car? I'm not sure. I think the experience is only slightly better than if you've got your Bluetooth set up, if you've got a charging cable in your car, if you've got a cradle for your phone, you've already got a pretty big screen and all you're really missing is the streamlined you know, driving interface. You know, Everything's a bit smaller, everything's less tappable on a phone than, than it is on, on Android Auto. Yeah, I, I I just have the simple disappointment of I like having my the screen where I specifically want to put it uh, in my car. I just have it actually at the same eye level as my rearview mirrors. So as I'm glancing back and forth just to check my mirrors, my eyes are just falling on my phone screen for uh, here's traffic situations ahead and and that sort of stuff. So it's uh, I would it, for me Android Auto is something that I would certainly take in a car if it came with it as standard i'm not sure if i'd spend any amount of money to actually get it though but i, I did want to ask particularly as a developer like so how, at the current stage of android auto how aware can your app be about things that are happening in the car like can you if you want to ask the, if you want to ask android auto please tell me as much as possible about this operational situation of this car how much gas is in the tank how fast are we going right now how are we doing a left turn are we doing a right turn uh, do, does it protect the user against that kind of intrusion? Well, see, this is the interesting thing. So I only know about the the audio side of things. I believe there is a there's another side to Android as well. You get it's you don't even get to project your interface onto the device. Like Google has set the interface. You can customize things like, hey, I want this color here. I want these particular buttons on the toolbar. I want, you know, this is the progress of where I'm up to. But you you don't get to control the interface. So you're like, here is my menu structure. Please render that, just the raw, you know, details of the items and any images that go with them. Um, here's what's currently playing, you know, please render that. But they they handle all the the touch events, all the display, all the everything. So you don't, you literally, you don't know anything. You don't know if the car's moving or not. You don't know how much gas is in the tank. You don't know any of that stuff. So I, I guess as an app developer, they're really trying to to put what you can do in a tiny little box. And I, I don't think that's a bad thing. It means that all your music playing apps essentially work identically. And the difference is just some minor sort of, you know, theming changes. Like Google Play Music is is orange, you know, Pocket Cast is red. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'd be worried about Facebook getting access to even more data <laughs> because you know how grabby it would be. I, I, and also, I bet I could actually see my fuel mileage decline with all the power that the Facebook app is trying to use with every like, single I'm trying second. to left, but, but I can't. But it would also... Yeah, exactly. But 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 it'd also be kind of cool if like if it could talk to the navigation and say like let's say let's say I, I've got my usual uh, I've got Pocket Cast playing my usual uh, playlist of uh, newly downloaded stuff and it can see that okay according to according to especially given the the traffic situation looks like he's gonna be home in thirty seven point three minutes what f- can I can I choose two or three podcasts that will finish exactly when he hits the driveway <laughs> and when he, when I get stuck in more traffic okay looks like you do have enough time for the next for the next edition of uh of of the of the illusionist so great we'll we'll swap out martini shot for the illusionist because now we have 10 minutes minutes more time (laughs) yeah that would be cool but as as a third-party developer none none of that stuff is is there at the moment i guess probably starting off that that's a good thing you don't want people to to go too crazy experimenting with the you know new interfaces for your car while while you're driving down the road there is a lot of regulation stuff around it as well so 
I believe in the US you get to tap six times on the list and then you can't tap anymore. Like the regulation says, if you have to tap more than six times, that's that's an actual thing you can't do. And in Japan, it's actually three. So we've had some emails from people in Japan saying, I tried to scroll one of your lists and I can only get two pages down. So it means, and that's that's the thing, that's the regulation you know, in, in Japan that says, you know, if you have this particular type of interface in your car, this is what you can and can't do. And so th- there are a lot of little things like that that have made me realize that, yeah, we're going to have to like not redesign but just rethink some of the things we've done because I've gone to do a few things and I'm like, oh, I can't do that in the car. I wish I could do that in the car. And none of that made sense when it wasn't in the car. When it's on the desk, you're like, this is perfect. You know, I have designed the ultimate interface for <laughs> the driving person. But yeah, it turns out that it needs some tweaking. So actually what I would what I would want on Pocket Cast is that the speed, so you know how you can go at 1x or 1.5x or 2x, however fast you want the podcast to go. So the faster I'm driving, <laughs> the faster the people's voices are going. I don't know, Yasmin. I've seen the way you drive. Can you, can you is, is that a good idea? <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to listen to as many po- uh, podcasts as possible in my drive. So of course, you know, 3x. <laughs> well, also you just think there's things like, if it gets access to like how how sharply are you braking and like how hard are you snapping the wheel to inside that <laughs> you know what i don't think i need to have any more high energy dance music let's start playing <laughs> things that are peaceful because this guy's going about to, is working himself into a real lather he's angry about something i don't know whether it's traffic or whether it's just life in general but we need to get some we need to drop some vivaldi on his butt right now I know, jokingly, like I was, I, I think about these things as like, I'm like, it, if the auto can sense that I'm stressed out, or even in a sense, like if I have my watch on my wrist and it's running Android and it's like, Yasmin, it seems she's driving right now. It seems like she's in a stressful situation. Let's control the different music that's playing. Like maybe something that will control her and like make her relax. Like I, I, it'll be interesting to see in the future if any of these experiences actually do get kind of kind of out in the wild. Like I know right now we're kind of joking about it, but if they have some of the most integrated things where it's like, Oh, like now that I have Android auto, like I'm actually more calm. Of course, that's not my experience because I still can't get my Android auto <laughs> to connect and work. Uh, so it, it just makes hey, me more upset. Hey, hey, so, you know, did, did I mention that mine works perfectly? Like did, did I mention that every time I plug it in, it just it comes up. It's weird. Uh, again from the android auto team they're working really hard on it but you know what it's been like six months now four months i don't know i I exaggerated it's been like three months now i just want to connect my phone to android auto i i'm not i'm not kidding you we were on a road trip and i connected my husband's phone to android auto because we were going to a new place and i was like wouldn't it be fantastic if we can actually use the navigation that is on android auto in our like dashboard that would be awesome and i connected his phone and it just wasn't reading. And then when it finally hooked up and read the car that it had Android Auto installed, it said, like, no data. Uh, in order to resume Android Auto, please put the car in park and, and the handbrake, you know, the handbrake on. I am ashamed to say that I made my husband pull over. Because <laughs> I was like, I need to test this. I need to know if there is actually, like, a glitch. It still didn't work. So, yes, I made my husband pull over on the side of the road just to test if uh, Android Auto would start working. It didn't. But uh, anyways, everyone else, you should buy it. It's great. I just can't get my to go. <laughs> well, like, I, I'll, I'll have to I got to say that I, I'm, it's not like I'm behind the times. I also have recently installed uh, uh, Android on uh, on my, my new vehicle. Uh, I did have to do some aftermarket stuff to get it working. Uh, I uh, and here I'm saying that I bought a uh, phone mount for my new bike. Ooh. So, so what, what are some of the features, and Andy? What again, I, I, 
Uh, it's got a bell. Ooh, ding, ding. Uh, it's got a basket on the back of it. It will wow. soon have uh, an- another thing. Another thing I bought with listener supported money is some uh, some uh, Rebel Alliance decals. <laughs> so yes. Be re- uh, at least at least Rebel Alliance decals on my on my uh, my my helmet. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's that's uh, I love uh, everything that's done by uh, Ram Mount. Uh, their uh, if, if you go to R A M M O N T dot com, uh, it's a really wonderful mounting system for phones and tablets and pretty much everything. As a matter of fact, I didn't have to buy an entire rig to mount my phone and my headphones. I just because I have RAM, a Ram mount system in my car. All I had to do was just buy the little like pipe clampy sort of thing to clamp to, to uh, mount it to my handlebars, and so when I move from like the the, the car to the bike and ba- and vice versa, I can just unscrew it and then put it back in. So it's it's just really really cool and rock steady, um, uh, and of course it works with my uh, Nexus Five because the, the the grip will work with pretty much uh, pretty much any phone. Um, I did want to get back and follow up to what I was talking about last week because we actually got a whole bunch of uh, responses to that uh, about the my problems with the Nexus 5X. Uh, we were talking about how when you launch the camera app, for some reason, it just bogs down so immediately that by the time you want to take a picture of your kid blowing out the candles at his fifth birthday, he's at his seventh birthday. <laughs> uh, and uh, last week I talked about how I removed every app that I wasn't really using. I, I started off by restarting in safe mode and then went away completely. Uh, so after trying out for a few days with the stock Google apps, I added all the apps that I use or am likely to use and just took away like all the all the sort of dross. And now it's been working for an entire week without having that problem. So that's definitely something to try. It's not, it doesn't seem to be a problem with the OS update. It doesn't seem to be a problem with the hardware, thank God. Uh, so I was, I, I'm no, I'm no longer semi regretting uh, getting the five X. It was just that problem. Um, another, but an interesting sort of uh, theory about this. You can also try just uh, going into the settings for the camera app and turning on uh, location awareness. Excuse me, turning off uh, location awareness. One, uh, it, it's the, the uh, check mark that says uh, save location. One theory is that. Uh, because of uh, Android M's new low power awareness that, of course, it will turn off uh, the GPS when it's not being used so it's not draining battery. It's certainly possible that when I launch the camera app, because the camera has been told to please geolocate uh, all my pictures, that lights up the GPS. And then all of these other apps that are in the background are, oh, this GPS, great. I really need to know the location because he might do a tweet or, oh, I really need to know the location because I'm Facebook and I want to collect as much data on Danny as possible. And maybe it's the, maybe it's all those apps lighting up at once trying to pull the CPU for location data at the same time. I haven't tested that one thoroughly, but it's certainly worth a try. Try just switching off uh, – save location uh restart if you want to because it's a good you know any any excuse to restart your phone after two weeks that might solve it but uh, just turning just uh, switching to uh instead of 180 apps down to a a mere slight 96 uh seems to have solved it for me um the other piece of 5x news is that uh, the uh, the, we talked about how there's a price drop that seemed to be like a sale price uh, so the $299 lowest price for the 5X is is an official sale, and it's good through February 16th. Uh, a couple of other blogs were reporting, though, that there's uh, an eBay seller that actually has them brand new in box uh, for $279. So it's even $20 less than that with free four-day shipping. 
So uh, we'll probably have. I don't. I I haven't bought through them, so I don't know. If they, they seem to be legitimate. There's none of the big warning flags. It's not like being shipped from Hong Kong. It's not like you do three taps to the interface and you find yourself like running Linux. Uh, but <laughs> but I, I have to ask Andy, considering the the price difference and the size difference, are you are you still comfortable that you you got the five X or do you wish you you had the six P? I'm still happy with the five X. Um, I'm gonna keep playing with the six P a little bit. Uh, because the only thing that uh, I could possibly be missing is uh, you do it's a couple of camera features. You do lose a burst mode. That's the mode on the 6P where you hold on the button and not only does it take a nice flurry of pictures, but uh, it, can, it will also choose the ones that it thinks are the best of that sequence. And it can also save that sequence as an animated uh, GIF. It's, it's kind of like uh, the, that new feature with the uh, uh, the iPhone 6P, only it's actually a feature that – it's actually a file that anyone can read and use, and you don't have to transmogrify it before you can actually use it. Um, there, I, I, Given the choice, I kind of like to have the extra application memory, but I don't seem to be missing it. My, my big pathological fear when I was having those camera problems was that it was a problem with application RAM, where something was just hogging up so much memory that – I'm going to have to be really careful about running background widgets and stuff like that. But now that I'm back to a functioning phone that takes good pictures again, I'm happy with it. The 6P is great. It's a little big. And uh, I, it's, it's, it's not the size so much as trying to justify uh, paying an extra $200 for it, given that I bought it on sale during Black Friday week. I couldn't, I couldn't justify an extra $200 uh, for it, though. Like I said, I, I do I do have the luxury of having a loaner that I don't have to send back for a few months. So I might spend a few weeks with the sim in there and then think, oh, dang it. Okay, let's let's have one less burrito a week and in sixty weeks we can go buy a six P. <laughs> <laughs> Only if you have to get the gold version though. Because you waited, so now you can actually get the gold version. So last week we talked about the idea that Google, there were some rumors out there that Google is in the process or, you know, potentially in the future going to be manufacturing their own phones. So currently the way Google is set up is that they have the operating system, which is Android that runs on a lot of different phones. And actually there's a bunch of manufacturers out there like Samsung, HTC, LG that use the Android operating system to get onto it. And so they can get their own UI kind of on that and kind of change some things within Google or sorry, within Google, within Android to kind of make it their own um, interface. And Moto, Motorola has been the company that's kind of kept it as pure to Android as you can get. And the actual like true Android experience is in Nexus, like the true pure experience is through their Nexus line. And they usually always go through manufacturers. So like the 6P, I was going to say 6X. The 6P is from Huawei. Still doing that. <laughs> <laughs> I know. They, they really messed us up by getting those two number, uh, two, two letters so close together. And then the 5X is by LG, correct? And then like uh, this, the Nexus 6 was actually by Motorola. So they have a lot of different manufacturers that they've used in the past. And so the idea of the new kind of pixel line is that Google would be doing the manufacturing. And so is it still that they would be doing the they have all the parts and then assemble them themselves or would they still be using another company but just not have their name that other company's name associated to that i assume they'd go the same way that you know companies like apple do they go to like a foxconn and various other suppliers so they they set up the supply chain and they're like okay this is where all the stuff's coming from um you're going to assemble it but i guess the difference between that and the nexus program is it's more like the pixel c like google can design exactly what the hardware is going to look like exactly what components go in there 
um, you know, exactly the, the build tolerances for everything. The, you know, and if they want to do any hardware software integration, they can pick you know, the right chips for that. Like in the past, Motorola, for example, has had um, you know, like secondary processors that do voice processing and things like that. And they were able to put that in there and pair it with their software because they make both. And I guess that's a hope that Google can do the same. And that's the main difference from the next pro- Nexus program. They're not going to a Huawei and saying, you know, give us the best phone that you've got. Let's design a slightly different case. Let's modify a few things, but let's still go with the overall design. I guess this would be an end-to-end thing. And it's it's probably it's probably fantasy to think that, you know, they'd manufacture it in the US or they'd get robots to build it. It'd probably They'd probably do it the same way everyone else does. You know, go to a Foxconn, go to other places like that, get them to manufacture it, and then, you know, put the, put the Google logo on the back. Yeah, I mean, historically, uh, the Nexus phones have been uh, a real partnership sort of design where you really see the design aesthetic of the manufacturer, whether it's Samsung or HTC or Huawei. Uh, and as a matter of fact, uh, like uh, a company will, like LG will make a version of the Nexus phone that's practically identical, but it has all of LG's imperatives on it instead of Google's. Uh, and so one of the ways that this will break out is that, no, this will be end-to-end a, a Google product, and you won't be able to find a version of this uh, in, a, in another channel that has crapware loaded on it that has the same case style it will be uh, exclusively Google um, I'd love to I'd love to see it happen because uh, um, the original purpose of the Nexus program hasn't been working as well as it used to now that these device manufacturers feel like they know how to make an Android device now they know how to make a very selfish Android device uh, and they're not really following Google's lead as much as they might have a few years ago. So if Google really wants to assert that this is how great an Android device can be, they're going to have to start making their own devices now. Yeah, and I think the Pixel line has proved that they can do a good job of it. Like, I, I've been impressed. I, I've played with the Chromebook Pixel. I've played with the Pixel C now. It's really nice hardware. And if you put the two side by side, they look like they come from the same company. Like, you put a 5X and a 6P, I got it right. You put those two next to each other. It's clear they don't come from the same company. They're two entirely different hardware designs. I know there's you know similar cameras and whatever in there, but they don't look like they're part of the same you know product family. Something else that's amazing is our sponsor for this week. Uh, it is Ministry of Supply. So this episode is brought to you by Ministry of Supply. Um, and when you think about it, everyday clothing should be smarter by now. You know we're living in 2016. VR is here. You know why why aren't my clothes as fancy as as all the tech that I'm buying? So yeah, clothing should be designed for the needs of your body and your body is moving. It's, it's not a mannequin that's just stuck in a store. You know, you move, your clothes should move with you. So the only way we can feel truly comfortable in our clothes is if they're designed to work with our bodies instead of against them. And that's the, the real vision that drives Ministry of Supply. It's a performance professional menswear company that launched out of MIT four years ago. They make polished business clothes that are engineered, you know, by, by these very same MIT trained engineers to provide... Things like body temperature regulation to keep you from getting, you know, too hot or too cold, sweat wicking fibres to keep you dry, and stretchable fabric to allow you to move freely. So the Ministry of Supply's most tech-forward dress shirt, the Apollo, is made with these moisture wicking fibres. It's got the temperature regulating, phase changing material. It's actually the same stuff we were talking about the moon before. It's the same stuff NASA developed to keep, you know, astronauts cool in space. It also features a light knit construction for breathability and a four-way stretch for mobility. So uh, another interesting thing is Ministry of Supply actually commissioned a research study by the University of Minho in Portugal that found it was around 15 times more breathable than a cotton dress shirt, you know, which is something you really want. If you're going to be wearing clothes and it's going to get hot, you know, you want them to, to breathe. You also want them to be wrinkle resistant, which is what Ministry of Supply clothing is. So you can wash and dry them at home and there's no need to iron them. And 
It's funny, last time we talked about this, we talked about Andy maybe going into a store. Um, you know, we talked about someone maybe trying it on. Uh, they graciously sent me, you know, a shirt, and I believe in America you call it a sweatshirt or a sweater. Um, we call them jumpers here. And I was a bit skeptical. These are, I don't particularly like shirts, I have to be honest, confession time. I put this thing on and I'm like, I can, yeah, I can see what they're talking about. It's a little bit, you know, less constricting than a normal shirt. It does feel like you're going to end up with less, you know, massive sweat patches under your arms. And the sweatshirt was really nice. You know, I was just strutting around home and I'm like, look, Michelle, sweatshirt. Yeah, from Ministry of Supply. <laughs> it was, honestly, I'm not not just saying that because they sent it to me. It was, yeah, I, I really like both of them. So, is that when she offered uh, to take that picture for Isometric, Russell? Because Isometric <laughs> said, hey, Russell, we, we want to know who the hottest Relay host is. And they, I guess, demanded that you would show them a picture of you all oiled up. And I'm thinking that's when your wife was like, after she saw you in the Ministry of Supplies clothes, she was like, yes, Russell, we will take that picture. We would sh- we're going to show everybody who the hottest Relay host is. <laughs> so it, it was funny you say that, Yasmin. I was in um, our Relay FM Slack channel, and I, I got a uh, like a direct message in there from Micah. He's like, "You might you might want to listen to the latest isometric, you know, just just a heads up." And then about three seconds later, I got a tweet from Brianna Wu saying, "Hey, you know, Russell, the gauntlet has been thrown." I'm like, "Oh no!" So for those of you that don't know, um, isometric show, you should definitely not listen to it. It's a, it's a gaming podcast um, on this very same network. Um, you know, it features people like, you know, Steve Lubitz, Brianna Wu, I think Georgia Dow's on there, um, Micah Sargent. And, yeah, about 40 minutes into the show, they decided to discuss, you know, who's hotter, you know, Russell or Micah, which is, I don't know why they're even discussing that. Clearly, you know, it's me. People wrote in saying it's me. There was callers <laughs> that were clearly not me saying it was me. I mean, the discussion's pretty much over. I don't even know why we're, why we're having this. And I have actually sent uh, a photo of Russell rolled up to, to the isometric crew. So... Extra Twitter points if you can dig through um, Twitter and find that one. We we should finish this ad read though. People people are not going to know where to where to buy their clothes. No, I was just going to say if they think you're the sexiest, they clearly haven't seen me in my new hat yet. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Say, that is let, true. Let Andy keep his clothes on and his skin unoiled. If we see him in this beret, we just don't know what to do with ourselves. That is true. They sometimes say that the more you wear, you know, the the sexier things can get. And that hat. If you haven't seen a picture of the hat, you need to go to the show notes and, and find the picture of that. In fact, maybe we should suggest that to the isometric crew that they just scrap their current ranking system and they just put, you know, Andy at the top of it. And either way, our show wins. You know, as, as long as our show wins, we're, we're all winners. <laughs> so I will tell you where to get the Ministry of Supply stuff. You don't have to get oiled down. You don't even have to get a mention on the isometric show and hide under your table hoping that, um, you know, the, the Twitterverse doesn't harass you. You guys are so mean. Um, no, I'm just kidding. So... <laughs> <laughs> you go to ministryofsupply.com slash material. Um, you'll get 15% off your first purchase and you'll show your support for the show. And if you happen to be in the checkout process um, already, material is the code that you use. Or if there's a store near you and you want to shop there in, in person, just mention this podcast. Like we said you know, last time we did this, I just whisper it to the person serving you, material, and they'll give you 15% off. And so we want to thank Ministry of Supply for supporting this show and all of Relay FM. And when we talked about Google I.O. when it was announced a couple of weeks ago, we all kind of did our speculation of what we would see at Google I.O. And I want to say that I called it. I said there was going to be a new version of Cardboard and something that was going to be a bit more robust. 
Um, and I believe I said it was going to be around $200 and it was going to possibly have its own like uh, skin. It was going to have its own screen integrated into it so that it would be a more immersive experience. And I, we still don't know the price of it, but we have some more rumors that they actually are going to be releasing some form of VR that that can be, um, comp- you know, that can compete with like Gear, Samsung's Gear VR and Oculus. And so those are the rumors that they have out there. There's been a lot of job postings kind of for a virtual reality. And they released some numbers of Google Cardboard where it was uh, 25 plus million installs of Cardboard on the Google Play apps, which is which is pretty cool. And especially that 10 million of users came from October and December. And see, I think they have been pushing a lot of those uh, partnerships to get people to download Google Cardboard. Like they partnered up with the New York Times to create that. I think it was the Display Series and so they're going to, they're reaching out to a lot of, of different people and they're like, hey, like, what can we do to get people on Google Cardboard? And so I actually think they're, they're doing a good job in that regard of like they, you know, the New York Times shipped Google Cardboard to a lot of its subscribers. And so that put it in hands of people that may not even know what Google Cardboard is. And so it's, it's an interesting thing to see kind of how this whole thing unfolds. Um, and I am really excited because Virtual reality has always been something that's been really fun for me. Like I remember going to the the arcade and getting into one of those like, you know, like virtual reality fighting games or racing games or whatever. And you're like immersed in that experience. And of course, yeah, I was. You, the- you probably got so much pink eye back then. <laughs> <laughs> that's where it came from. Now I understand. <laughs> and so I, I remember how fun that was because you're sitting in there and I remember like hearing my parents and my sister like shouting like, you know, go right, go left, or oh, where are you going? Because they could actually see the screen. Uh, and so I'm hoping that they can create some form of experience that you can see in VR, like in the, the cardboard 2.0, but you can actually Chromecast it to the living room. Um, I don't think that's going to be announced at Google I.O., but I, I hope that's something in the future with more of like gaming and immersive experience. So it's it's really cool to see that they are moving in this direction and kind of seeing where they will go. Um, they, I believe they, their speculations that they're actually going to be re- releasing a VR, um, software, like a version of Android for virtual reality. Is that correct? Yeah. Um, there's, a uh, a lot, a lot of rumors kind of dropped this week. Um, you, you talked about that it's, uh, they're doing a version of, it, it feels like they're doing a version of, uh, the new Samsung, uh, gear VR, uh, on that same basis where you got to provide your own phone, but of course your phone got, has a, a high definition screen. It's got CPU power. It's got all the connectivity, but the device will, the, uh, the holder will have extra sensors. So we'll have extra ability to uh, keep up with your movements and make sure you don't vomit because of the disconnect between your movements and what you're actually seeing. Uh, and that's probably about the right price range to, uh, the Gear VR is about 99 bucks, and the problem is that it does only work with Samsung devices, and at that, only modern Samsung devices. But uh, as great uh, an ambassador as uh, Cardboard has been, there's just no difference. Uh, it's there's, there's a great way to get people to try VR by giving them a $10 thing, or in the case of the New York Times, a free thing that just arrives with a paper whether you ask for it or not, uh, and something that really gives you an immersive experience. Uh, and at 99 bucks, a lot of people are going to actually give it a try. I, I have to say that uh, VR, the uh, 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 Samsung's devices were also on that list of, okay, that sounds interesting. I don't know if I want to actually 
contact my contacts and have them send me a setup. But then when it was uh, when it was just a developer kit before they did the consumer version at the end of the year, they did call me and ask if I wanted to try it out. Uh, and so I went to their offices and uh, got set up with it and was trying it out. And then the, it was so transformative because it wasn't – I've, I've I tried the Oculus, Oculus Rift. I tried things that are like in university and like corporate settings. Uh, I never had that kind of a personal experience before. And I knew that I was kind of <laughs> – I knew that I knew that my mind was being turned around when uh, part of the uh, – Oculus is providing a lot of the content and a lot of the software – for uh, Gear VR and probably for this new outing too, and one of the one of the programs they had available in the Oculus Theater was uh, some sort of a uh, I, I think it's actually that that lips the FX series that the lip sync link lip sync battle which I'd never seen because Jimmy Fallon who cares, but uh, they they put the they put the three sixty degree camera like at eye level at the perspective of someone who's in the crowd at the stage. And the idea that you can actually look around and if you want to look at the performer doing the song, you can do that. If you want to look at the hosts who are like in the background and they're not really paying attention because the camera is not on them or so they think. Or if you want to turn around and look at the crowd around you. Uh, and it's a perfect thing because I happen to be like standing up in my office. I wasn't sitting down. Uh, and I didn't know this, of course, but the content was someone who was standing up in the crowd. And I knew that it got me at the very, very end where like the crowd starts applauding and I started applauding too. Like, okay, wait a minute, I'm not actually there. I don't have to applaud. Uh, and and then, uh, then Oculus Cinema, just the ability to watch any MP4 movie that's on your device in a, in a simulation of a theater. Uh, that was brilliant. That was such a simple. I, I would spend a hundred bucks just for this because even in my own living room, the uh, I, I rip my discs at uh, Blu-ray discs at maximum resolution, so they're really, really nice quality. And the ability to actually have like a night, uh, I, I I watched a, a musical version of 1776, uh, but it was shot like in super widescreen, uh, which is you know, around the early 70s when they're still trying to compete with. Tell, basically stressing that you come to the theater because we can give you the super widescreen experience. And that was the first time I'd seen it in a quote theater, unquote. And that was the first time I realized that these frames had been composed so that there are supposed to be things you can only see in your peripheral vision because the action is happening on the left-hand side of the screen. Uh, uh, John Adams and John Hancock are talking and arguing about the Declaration of Independence. But meanwhile, Ben Franklin is like in the bed in the deep background having a snooze. And if you're watching this, even on like a regular TV in your living room, you see this all at once. And the fact that I was like looking left and looking right to see what was going on in the scene really made me think that they're so totally onto something. And I can't wait to see when we have 4K movies that can be streamed like this. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I mean, I only have Google Cardboard, but when uh, Beyonce's Formation video got out, I totally ran <laughs> and got my cardboard because you can watch it on the on YouTube. And I was like... Yeah, this is cool. <laughs> so I totally had that had that mounted to my face. Now, if I had like the Samsung VR, I think that would have been even like more amazing. I would have felt like I was with Beyonce. Yeah, I, I have to say I was really <laughs> skeptical. We had a um a Samsung VR delivered to the office last week because well, we we finally decided to order one. You know, they're, they're pretty cheap, and we've already got you know all the Samsung devices to to drive them. So I'm like, yeah, you know, ninety nine or I think it was one hundred and fifty dollars here in Aussie Roos. Aussie dollars, um, and it arrived, and I was skeptical. Like I heard Andy talked about the cinema. I heard it, I'm like, it's probably going to be just like a fancier version of Google Cardboard. But I put this thing on, and I slipped my um, Samsung S6 into there, and 
it is just it's indescribable how much better it is than cardboard and i think there's there's two major factors to that one is how fast it actually tracks your head movement so in cardboard you get the impression that i've moved my head and then the camera pans it's not we're not talking 10 second delay or anything but it's enough of a delay so that you feel like okay i'm i'm inside some kind of virtual world um just trying to catch up with what I'm doing. But in VR, like, sorry, in Samsung uh, Gear VR, the, the tracking is just so fast that you actually suddenly, it, you suddenly feel like you're there. Like they have this um, this Oculus store that where you just, you're just simply browsing for content, nothing else. And it's set up to be in a giant house, basically. So you've got a window on one side, you've got um, some kind of couch or something behind you, I can't remember. And I just stood there for about two or three minutes, just looking, you know, up, down, left, right. And the, the speed at which it tracks your head and how fast it actually changes the images really makes you feel like you're there and I, I tried a whole bunch of things where um you know there's a whole bunch of vr experiences where you're sitting in a chair and it requires you to to swivel around in in the chair and it does that you know in the, the vr world and it is really impressive and then the other thing i tried is like like oh, okay andy keeps talking about this virtual cinema thing like i out of all the things i think i'm going to be impressed by this is definitely not going to be one of them so i turn on the virtual cinema thing and i think there's five or six you know different cinemas to choose from and it is amazing. Like you're, I mean, I know I'm not in a real cinema. Like I recognize that, you know, the chairs are looking a bit fake and that kind of thing, but it really does feel like you're sitting in a cinema watching a movie on the big screen. It's, it's amazing. I, I, I honestly, um, I know this is only the generation one or, or two of VR, but I'm really sold on the idea of VR now. Like I was completely, you know, not sold and suddenly I'm sold. The, the one massive hiccup that I have, I don't know if you've had this as well, Andy, but, and I think this is just an S6 issue is that the phone just overheats in 15 minutes. So if you're doing anything that's um, like an intensive game or, um, you know, any sort of simulation that's not just, you know, sitting in the cinema watching a movie, you get about 15 minutes and then this message pops up saying, you know, Oculus VR is, is too hot and you have to wait. And you're like, what? Huh? And it just completely breaks the entire, you know, experience for you. Yeah, and there are fans that are there to both keep the screen from fogging up because, again, you're you're sweating and you've got... You're, you're, you're depositing uh, 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 you know, bits of dew onto your own screen, but also to help cool off the hardware. Uh, I, ha- I didn't spend a whole lot of time gaming with it. It really was mostly passive sort of entertainment because um, I, it's, I guess it's going to be hard for developers to make really great 3D games because there is that part where like, you, you, you had fun just looking around in a 3D store. Like we're all like, uh, people from like the country in like 1901 seeing their seeing the big city for the first time just standing in the corner looking up at the skyscrapers not not caring that there's food and theater and entertainment it's like oh my god look I, look how big that thing is golly I haven't seen a bus that big holy cow <laughs> and we're just like and we're just like that with with VR like when I'm playing these games I really just want to like spin around in my jetpack and look up oh maybe I'll fly really close to that building and look up or uh, uh, Andy there are aliens that are killing uh, kill- oh what hey look I can probably fly right through this window yeah that school bus full of kids just got killed uh, I don't know if you're here you just lost a whole bunch of points I don't care well look I, no 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 I know exactly what you mean I had this exact experience so there is a some kind of space simulation game I forget the name of it but you're sitting inside you're literally in some kind of you know Star Wars um, type fighter and you're looking around the cabin and there's there's little you know smudges on the the glass there's the panel there's your chair behind you there's they've they've even done the lens flare thing as you pan your head like to and from the sun you get like a different lens flare and it was I kid you not I'm just sitting in my chair going wow and then the game actually started 
And the mechanics of the game is you have to point your face where you want the lasers to shoot. And at that point, I'm just like, no, like, I, I don't want to play this. This game is no good. But the, the initial onboarding of like, oh, you're about to play the game and just being in that spaceship was, it was amazing. And I, I, at that point, I was thinking, just give me some kind of control device and just let me fly around space. Like, I don't care about shooting these aliens with my face because the whole idea of moving your head to where a cursor has to be to fire lasers out of it, just something about it doesn't work. But it's 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 just it's just so uh, so neat. There's I remember seeing a video of uh, I think it was with match excuse me with uh, Oculus. Uh, they had I could be wrong, but they had, they had, I think they it was uh, Apollo astronaut Gene Shernan, uh, someone from Apollo fifteen, sixteen, or seventeen who had actually walked on the moon, and someone had created an actual. It wasn't really a simulator; it was more of an educational thing where. F- if you ever, if on a school field trip they ever took you to the planetarium or the IMAX theater where they show you this 15-minute IMAX movie about, and then when the explorers cross the mighty Mississippi, finding nature's abundance before them and a new land, you know, it, it was it was this sort of thing where they put you in the left seat of the the command and service module during launch, and then they take you to like the landing and walking on the moon, and not only, of course, I really wanted to try that out, but. It, I was had put such a big smile in my face to see someone who had actually ridden that ride and actually walked on the moon being able to go back there even in this sort of not necessarily accurate but in some sort of a moonish way uh it was it was supposed to be only like a 30 second demo but he wanted to actually sit and like watch the entire thing and you see him walking around and and turning around I wish that they had been talking to him a little bit more about well what did it trigger memories like not not even just did it look the same but were you looking at the same places you were looking when you first stepped on the moon and did you have the same sort of uh because only only 12 people and one fewer looks like every four or five months can explain what it was really like and to actually say no here's the most fantastic place ever that probably no human will step on at least for another 20 years but we can tell you if this simulation is good or not uh, another one last cool thing uh Google News and also VR News, uh, Magic Leap. Uh, they've, I think their official name is the Mysterious VR Tech Startup. Uh, has got another seven hundred thirty-nine million dollars in funding last week. This was uh, the uh, uh, Google was one of the first round of people uh, led the first round of half a billion dollars worth of investment. More and more money goes into this, and everybody who gets a demo of this VR technology comes away with this sort of religious awe for the experience because uh, mostly these are people who, of course, have tried Oculus and they've tried everything else. Uh, the technology is completely different, whereas every other technology you've probably seen is it does involve there is going to be a screen in front of your face and that's how you're going to be looking at this screen. And if it's an augmented reality sort of thing, uh, the way that we do that is that we're going to have live video of the real room around you, and we're going to somehow reproduce that on these screens. Magic Leap, it's more like putting, uh, in audio terms, it's more like putting a, a speaker in the middle of the room because it's not dropping screens in front of your face. It is actually projecting light into your eyeballs so that it's not taking the place of what you're seeing. It is actually 
tricking your eye into thinking that, yes, you're seeing all this stuff, but there is actually an elephant sitting on your coffee table that's 11 inches high and is holding <laughs> up your text messages. Uh, and if you move around, you, you can look under the table because this, this is actually the table you're looking at. But now it realizes that you're looking under the table so it can reveal that there is now a rhinoceros that's sort of knocking on the top of the table to alert the, alert the elephant that, hey, tell him about his new Twitter direct messages too. So I haven't used it. I, I have I have a, a friend who has actually used it, and that's how I would describe that this religious sort of – like some people come back from college and say, I thought I wanted to be an engineer, but then I realized I need to hand my life over to God. Which is not a bad thing, but it's like okay, that was I don't know what I don't know what you went through over there, but it was intense on some level. Uh, so I keep trying to. There, there are two things that I'm. If I have any sort of connections developed in my career as a journalist, first I want to get Hamilton tickets. Second, though, <laughs> I want to get I want to get a Magic Leap demo because it really looks like exactly the way to go. Hololens looks great. Uh, it is actually really quite wonderful, but it is something strapped to your face. And you have this sort of picture window view of the world around you. Everyone who talks to me about Magic Leap who's used it uh, talks about how, no, it is, I am in the real world. I am looking at this room with my real eyes. But again, there just happens to be an elephant in the middle that wants us to know that uh, that the I'm supposed to be in a meeting in eight minutes. Uh, but it will it'll kindly walk, it'll kindly hop off the table and walk out of the room and tell the, those are the people you're going to be late uh, if you if you want to uh, if you want to go that way. So I'm, I'm hoping that uh, it's not an official Google product, uh, but I'm hoping it's one of the things that uh, that uh, Google at least tries to nod to or maybe even show off during Google I/O because VR it feels like it's going to be something that's going to be the best demo they can possibly give. So one of my favorite apps got an update over on Android and it is 1Password6 got an update for Android. And so I was really happy to see the new update first like right off the bat I'm on one of their beta programs and the first thing they did was that they moved their beta from like hockey app. I think they were using hockey app which just sends you a link that you can download. They'd actually integrated it with the Google Play Store, which is actually really great because it just makes the whole process a lot smoother. You get to update the beta from the Google Play Store instead of having to go into a separate link and download this file. It's just all really integrated. So like as an Android user, I was like, woohoo, it actually works the way it's supposed to. Um, and they got a material redesign and they did add some of like the like they updated the visual design of the app where it looks a lot nicer and cleaner like it no longer has this the the old one like the old uh, lock that looks kind of like something you would have found on iOS like prior to even the 7.1 days but it they it updated it it's a lot it's a lot cleaner um and they you know they have the wonderful fav button which allows you to add new logins and things of that nature but Actually, let, let's finish with the good things, and then I'll kind of go on with my, my little vent. Um, and they added fingerprint unlock, which is really, really great. They, you can unlock the app with the fingerprint, and you can also unlock the app on the, for the keyboard. So the funny thing is when they announced, when they released it in beta, and I was just like, yes, finally, fingerprint. And I got it, and I was so excited, and I unlocked it with my fingerprint. And so it worked magically. But then when I tried to unlock my keyboard via fingerprint, 
it didn't work. Like it just wasn't an option. And there, and you can either only choose to have a pin or a fingerprint. It was, <laughs> it was pretty terrible because I was like, well, if I unlock it via fingerprint, then I can't have my pin. So every time I have to use my keyboard, I have to type my really, really long one password. Uh, it was, it was pretty terrible, but hey, that's why you push stuff in beta is so that you can hear these things and come out with better. So now it's all unlocking via fingerprint, which is really, really good. Um, so that was really nice for them to, to finally get that in there. Another update is that they added one password for Teams um, and they still don't have shared vaults. So you won't be able to do shared vaults. Like if you're sharing a vault with the with a friend or, or a family member that you have shared accounts with, that won't work. But they now ha- integrated their new one password team. So I think they're really pushing Teams to be the what people use for shared passwords instead of having like the shared vaults. Um, so it was really good for them to do that. But now I'm just going to say this. I'm really, really upset with the fact that they don't have a search on the top of the bar. Like it is, it is incredibly hard to try to find a password that you need. Um, you know, the the key. I always rave about the keyboard. About the keyboard when you're in an app. Say, let, say you're logging in for Twitter for the first time, and you need to fill out all that information, and you can switch to the one password keyboard, and then it automatically like goes in there and inserts your username and password, um, which is really great if you have twitter.com or like the Twitter app attached to that login, but you can't actually search from the keyboard. Like you can't go in there and look for different Twitter accounts. So it's just, I'm just, I, (laughs) it's one of those things where I understand that there's not a lot of money or there, I understand the whole idea of people thinking, well, they're spending all their effort on iOS and Mac because Android doesn't bring in as much revenue. And so, you know, they're they're trying to spend more time on the iOS and Mac apps, which bring in a lot more money, which I am sure that is the case for them. But I'm just wondering if it's if that is the reasoning because they're not spending that much energy on Android. Like if they were spending more energy on Android, would that story be different? And I would I would say that they probably would be. Like, I mean, I know Russell's on the show and he is has an app both on Android and iOS, and I know they get really good income um, from the Android app, and so because it's a really well designed and beautiful app, and so w- every time I hear someone's like, "Well, they're not spending that much time on it because it's on Android doesn't bring as much money," I get that from a like developer perspective, but I almost feel like it's a cop out. And in the, in the age that we live in, Android is becoming one of the most widely uh, populated and like operating systems and to to ignore it it just seems silly like you're living in this alternate reality where you and that you okay maybe maybe cut out this rant because I'm just so no no I, <laughs> I, I do get do get what you're saying yes I mean I'll, I'll chime in with the the developer side of things if you like so um, we we actually used to make terrible money on Android as well we we ported the original iOS version of pocket cast um, to Android I think it was version three at the time. Um, and it made zero dollars. Well, not zero. Probably made a few hundred dollars, but it was really not selling at all. And we had a choice at that point. We thought, okay, this this has been a failed experiment. Like, thank you all the Android people who've wanted us on your platform. Like, yeah, thanks for not buying the app. You know, the the, the people that bought it, I should say, were ultra super supportive, and and they sent in good feedback and whatever else. But we did see a constant trend from those people. They kept asking for more things, and they kept asking us for more Android specific features, which we just didn't have. Because we literally took our iOS app, changed a few things, um, put it on Android. So Philip and I thought we'd try something radical. We actually spent six months, um, both of us, you know, our entire development team, um, working on version four. This is a while, while back now, but we completely, you know, redid the entire thing. 
when we launched version four, I kid you not, it it sold like hotcakes, and it has been selling really well ever since. So, for those that don't know, eighty percent of all our revenue now comes from the Android operating system, which. I tell that to other iOS developers and they just look at me. They're like, eight, eight, you mean 8%? I'm like, no, there's an 8 and a 0. And we still make a decent amount of money on iOS, but that's like the remaining um, 20%. And we always joke that, you know, we could pull our apps from iOS today and we'd still be profitable. We're not, we're not going to do that. Don't, don't, don't freak out, iOS listeners who, who use our apps. We, we still love you. That, that's my job to, to develop all that stuff. But there is money to be made there. And I don't want to be too harsh on the 1Password team probably because I know know some people there and they're probably listening. I, I don't want to be mean to them. I, I think it's really good that they've spent time on the app, that they've you know refined a few things, that they've brought in material design. But I think if they want to be more successful on the platform, you really have to go all in. Like there is no in-between. You can't be like, well, we'll put one developer on it and maybe you know a bit of designer time. And just, you know, if you're serious about your product and you want it to succeed on a platform, you have to put your best foot forward. And that that is a risk. You you could you could not make the equivalent income back. That's that's what developing apps is all about. But you can't you can't half do it and then expect to make all the money. And then once you make all the money, to put all the effort in. I know that's a long way of of saying something really obvious, but that's that's my experience with the platform. So I, I do wish the one password team would do things like yeah, put in a top level search. Just think about some of the small usability stuff. Um, for example. Stop putting notifications in my notifications tray or at least, at least give yes. me an option to turn that off. There is an option in there to something completely different. I still don't understand that. Remove things like an exit button. I don't need an exit button in my overflow menu. I have a home button for that. There, as a developer, I know you can detect that I've, I've left the app and do whatever cleanup stuff you need to do. That's It feels like a legacy thing that's just left in there. I don't even need a lock button. The app auto locks when I leave it. You know That doesn't need to be in my... Just a whole bunch of things that don't need to be there that feel like... They could just do with a bit of polish. And for all I know, you know, the 1Password team is potentially working toward that. I don't want to be too harsh on them. But I think if they don't, I think if they stop here, it's still it's still not the best app. You know, it could be I put their iOS app and their Android app side by side and I'm like, this is not made by the same team. It doesn't have the same level of care. It doesn't have the same level of functionality. Like I can't add multiple vaults. I can't search from the top. It's, yeah, I mean, that's probably all I should say. <laughs> And I think that's what upsets so many of the Android users is that most likely they got the one password app either on Mac or, you know, even from iOS and maybe they switched. And so it was just such a beautiful app on Mac and on and on the iOS. And so when you come over to Android, you're just like really let down from that. And I understand different audience and different money and different, you know, it's larger on iOS and stuff. But um, it just, it, it's such a, it's such a letdown because you're like, oh, come on. Like, I, I, I remember when the 1Password app was only a reader on Android. So you can only read the apps or read the passwords. You couldn't even actually add a password on there. And so when they slowly started developing that, it's, it's been over, I'm going to say over one or two years. So um, it's, it's just a slow process. And I think, I'm getting to the point where I'm just like, come on, let's let's get something out there, especially when you have a lot of competitors like LastPass that just have such a better integrated experience. But the thing is, I already bought one password. I'm invested in the system. All my passwords are on there and I'm not going to leave. And so I'm kind of stuck with this uh, experience. But I, I will say this. I 
think that version six is a really nice and a nice step forward in the right direction. And I just hope that they continue developing on that. And I know that uh, they probably gotten a lot of feedback from like angry Android users who are like, why are you doing this? Why haven't you done this? And um, that's one of the things that I kind of love about the Android community, not that they yell, but the fact that they're so passionate about the operating system that, you know, they're like, we want to make this really awesome and we want to help you. And like, that's why it's so good to listen to your users and not even so much to do exactly everything they say, but like, what are they really trying to say when they're telling me that they don't need an exit button there? Like, why, what is the, the processor? Like, they really want to search for it. Like, why haven't we added that? That's like the biggest thing. And so just kind of listening to your users um, in that regard. But um, what, I would make one other suggestion there, and this is something we do internally and we found has made a huge, 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 huge difference, is force the entire team to use it for two weeks. Give every single person an Android phone, be like, look, you, you work here, you are sticking a SIM card in this thing, even if it's a secondary SIM card we bought you, and you are only going to use this app for two weeks. And I guarantee you at the end of that two weeks, you will have a <laughs> list of improvements um, a mile long. And not only that, but you'll have the motivation to do them. So I found the same thing. I put Android Auto in my car. Like, oh, I gotta change these five things. And I'm actually gonna change them today because they frustrate me. I'm like, I can't I can't keep <laughs> using this without these things and I'm gonna put them in there. And eventually that's gonna end up in a you know in a public build of our app. And it's only because I took the time to install this thing in my car. So I'd encourage and this is not directed at my buses, every single team everywhere that works on Android, make a whole bunch of people in your company, you know, use it for two solid weeks and don't just take their iPhones off them or whatever other phone they happen to use. And you will get a better product, you know, at the end of the day. And the same thing if you're developing an iPhone app, if you're an Android developer, exactly the same. Go and buy a whole bunch of iPhones, give them to your employees and be like, use nothing but this. It's important to dog food everything, no matter what it is that you're actually doing. Uh, I mean, if you're if you're running a restaurant, at some point you have to park your car in the regular parking lot. You have to walk in through the front door. You have to sit at a table because only then will you see, oh, I didn't notice that the baseboards are really, really filthy in the dining area. And that, okay, there's lots of broken glass in the parking lot. Uh, and so that's absolutely true for, for software as well. Um, and actually, just to wrap it up, I mean, I think that we're really kind of at the cusp of a real Android renaissance. And I think it's all due to material design. Uh, I don't know why, but in the past two or three months particularly, I've been seeing new apps and updates to old apps that show me that developers are not just begrudgingly or just out of routine updating their apps to be compatible with new APIs. It's like they've been living with this new UI for a while and now they've really figured out, here's how I can make my app more beautiful and here's how I can be make it more of a closer to a work of art that that's always been in my head uh, than what I've been sort of stuck with. Uh, Android's previous interfaces were very, very functional, but you couldn't call them pretty and you certainly couldn't call them inspired. But now material is all those things. And now I was just to, uh, I'm one of the. It really is one of the things that kind of locked me in as coming back to an Android user after my summer of iOS, because uh, one of the first apps that I replaced when I loaded up my new uh, 5X was replacing uh, the Twitter client that I used and liked with uh, Phoenix, and it's a gorgeous material app, just gorgeous, and I couldn't honestly think of the last time that I'd used an iOS app and just been sort of st stuck motionless looking at this and just appreciating what a pretty app it was. Not just uh, the designers ran roughshod and just made a beautiful work of art that you couldn't use. I'm talking about the way that I interact with it and the way that I move with that app too. 
and I think that we're now in the place where you don't uh, one password in these other apps. They don't necessarily are they don't necessarily have to go create an Android version because out of a matter of duty and just because it is such a popular operating system. I think a lot of them are now in the position where they're saying maybe that's what we did for version one, two, and three. But now, boy, I've got like notebooks paper notebooks that are filled with sketches and ideas of how I would re totally reconceive uh, this app as a material design app, because you, you, you give a true artist a better box of paints and you'll start to see uh, masterpieces start to emerge. And I think that that's what material design yeah. is doing. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. In fact, I've, I've been in a few um, private Slack channels with some iOS designers that I don't want to name them, but they're just really depressed at the state of iOS design. And they keep asking me like, oh, how much is a 5X? What do you recommend? Should I should I get one of these? And I just know in my heart of hearts that they, they probably wouldn't be happy on, on Android. You know, they've used iOS all their lives, but it's, it is very telling that they're looking at material design and going, you know, I like this. I like the color. I like the animation. I like the yeah. layers. And there's there's a really solid foundation there to build a user interface on. And, you know, these are people that previously never would have considered Android. You show them the, the hollow interface or, you know, what came before it. And you could tell they were trying to be kind, but they just look at it. They look at the phone and be like, <laughs> yeah, okay. Like it's it's obvious that this is not a coherent operating system. It's not a good-looking operating system. It's not... You know, they wouldn't even think of it as an operating system. They're like, no, not not for me. Now you put material design in front of those same people and they're like, yeah, you know, I, I like that. Like, I like the little touches. I wish I had some of this, you know, in my life. Yep. And we want to thank all of our listeners for listening. And we want to encourage you to do a security checkup. We're talking about 1Password, about keeping yourself uh, safe, not using the same password throughout all your sites. And we want to encourage people to, to be more secure on the internet. And one of the things that Google Drive is doing is that they're giving you two gigs of storage all if you do a security check all until February 17, 2015. So if you listen to this podcast before that date, go do a security uh, checkup and we'll post the link we'll link in the show notes so you can go out and do that. Yeah, I did that uh, today when I first saw the, saw the news on the Google blog. Uh, you get an extra two gigabytes and it's yours forever. So it's not as though you get it until you start paying for it again. Uh, it's just all all you will do is log in, log in, and out. It'll ask you the, the questions it should be asking you about. Okay, do you do you want to use two step verification, and do you want to secure it this way, and do you want to use an authenticator app? It's not as though you're going to have to like hold up your birth certificate to a <laughs> webcam or something like that. It's just it's just a very very smart and very courteous thing that uh, Google is doing to say here are if you're not aware of how you can make your Google Drive more secure, we're going to bribe you into finding out how you can make it more secure. It's not quite as good as the as the free burrito offer that uh, Chipotle did on Monday if you texted a certain number, uh, but uh, <laughs> two gigs is still pretty good. And random fact, I wasn't able to claim that because uh, Project Fi does some weird stuff where like sometimes text messages from services don't operate. So like there's uh, some text message two factor authentication that doesn't work with Project Fi. But and um, that's a, that's another uh, tangent for another show. But um, I, yes, I have had bad experiences with Google products, but it has never denied me a burrito. <laughs> I'm not sure if I I've really been denied a burrito. Project Fi, you denied me the right to have a free burrito. It's, it's finally good. That <laughs> but you know, make this right, Google. <laughs> <laughs> I would Damn love it. for I would love for like a giant like thing like basket of burritos to just be sent to my house and be like Yasmin, we're so sorry we <laughs> denied you and your family the burrito free burrito because Project Five didn't work. 
here is a lifetime supply of burritos. <laughs> if you're listening, Project Fi team, I I will love that. Just give me all the burritos. This okay? poor woman lives in the southwest <laughs> southwestern United States. What opportunities does she have to get a burrito? <laughs> and 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 Chipotle threw this lifeline, and she clutched at it. Say, finally, a chance to get a burrito in the southwestern United States. And then Project Fi snatched that rope out of her hands. No burrito for Yasmin. <laughs> This is fun. Andy, where can people find you? As usual, if you can spell my last name, you can check out my Twitter feed. I'm Anatko on Twitter, uh, or you can type I-H-N as a Nancy, A-T-K-O, into a web browser and hit my blog that usually has all that stuff, plus stuff that I couldn't find someone to pay me to write. <laughs> and Russell, where can people find you? I need you to imagine you're in a VR experience. You're sitting in a room. There's a, a shelf holding some books. It's made of metal, and it's oxidizing. And I want you to know that you can go to Rusty Shelf on Twitter and you can also go to RustyShelf.org where I posted my first blog post in about three months. It's two pictures, each caption. So there's actually no words. I'm sorry about that, but at least it's a blog post. You're welcome. And you can find me at, at Yasmin Evian and I am... I will be doing the security checkup to get the two gigs of free Google Drive storage for a lifetime. And you can find us on, the sh- on Twitter at, at Material Podcast and you can... Send us your feedback and messages at materialpodcast at gmail.com. And you can find us on the web where you can also send us some great membership sponsor money. Relay.fm forward slash material. Until next time, slay and material. World. Slay in a material world, everybody. <laughs> Slay in a material What are we encouraging here, Yasmin? It's Beyonce <laughs> and Madonna, two oh, in one. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I thought you were inciting our listeners to kill. Oh, my God. No, please do not kill anybody. <laughs> I didn't think. We, I didn't know if we needed like to do the Crypt Keeper voice for that. <laughs> Until then, slay in material. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. There's something really nice about the. Um, Sorry, what? Is your hand about to die? I'm so sorry. I didn't think about it. Um, They can't hear you because I have headphones on. (laughs) 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 I know it's super breaky recording. Any chance we can hear what he's saying? (laughs) This is why you don't test live. Oh, I'm dying.